Well, good morning, my darling. Um, I'm glad to hear from you. And you were yeah. telling me about your calcite um, camping trip, which just sounds energetically uh, soothing, uh, unless you want it to be stimulating, because calcite can do both of those things. I think for for me, for me, <laughs> uh, I think it was really, really soothing. Um, <clears throat> like, you know, I had been feeling lots of, um, I don't know, I guess just a lot of stress from the week before trying to get everything to work. And so it was really nice to have that kind of energy sink and drain. And I know I talk to you on a regular basis about, okay, I'm, I'm having a freak out moment. I'm just going to go stick my hands in some dirt. <laughs> right, right, right. No, right. And so, you know, it was just a really, really cool trip. And there were just pine trees, like bursting through rocks. And it was just, um, it was very delightful. And even though it was just two nights, um, I mean, it's the same Ikea mattress that I have on my bed, but I just cut it up and made little um, individualized mattress pieces so that then they Tetris together to make a couch inside of our super tiny itty bitty teardrop trailer. We don't have anything fancy <laughs> by any stretch. Of the I mean, it's fancy on its own. It's like first world shit, but I mean, it's small and compact and <clears throat> whatnot, but it was nice. It was really, really nice. I slept well. I was outside. <laughs> it was good. Yeah. You know, I, I think that there's no better way to ground than to touch the ground. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I think that a lot of people lose the meaning of that. Um, I barefoot a lot. And I think, I think that people always waking up and putting shoes on their feet and never letting their feet touch the ground or the floors in their house or the outside is, is uh, unfortunate because frankly, um, I think it's really a part of being a human on the planet is to touch the magnetic field of the planet with your bare feet on occasion. And it, of course it comes up through the floors of a building too. You don't necessarily have to go outside if you don't live anywhere where you can barefoot or sit outside on the grass. I occasionally just go out and sit in the dirt and lay myself down in the dirt. My dogs are very confused. But sometimes I just need to be on the planet. I need to touch the earth and ground myself. Mm -hmm. Water also. Water is very grounding uh, in a very different way. I, yeah. I think that's one of the reasons I had to leave Texas is just the lack of water. T town, river, uh, Ladybird Lake, whatever the hell they're calling it these days, was just not enough water for me. I mean, I'm, I'm from a place where, you know, there's, there's, there's been um, discussion for generations about whether we should call these freshwater inland seas because they have tides and they get hurricanes. So technically they really are, are inland freshwater seas. Yeah, they're just so, incredible bodies of water. And, really, and then, really. you know, we, we have lakes everywhere around us, everywhere. They're, you know, they call Minnesota that um, land of a thousand lakes or 10,000 lakes. We have, we have as many lakes within our borders um, as they do. So uh, I'm surrounded by water. I live uh, right now. I live less than a mile from the Detroit river, which uh, like a ladybird lake is a misnomer because it is not a river. It is indeed a strait uh, that connects Lake Huron to Lake Erie. Um, and that strait can change directions be be depending completely on which lake has got the higher water table at the time. So 
um, definitely a strait, which is what Detroit means. City on the strait, the strait, Detroit, the strait. So there's your Detroit history that. for the morning. Uh, I did uh, not yeah. know that. I love it. Yeah, yeah, you know, um, Detroit's got an amazing, unique history. Um, and of course, right now I'm questioning whether I should have come home. Uh, I've had a very weepy morning. Um, and not bad weeping, I think just just uh, a lot of tension in my life right now and uncertainty. And I've been very strong and Aryan and dragonish and uh, witchy-poo male and, uh, you know, manipulating the energies to make things move in the way I want them to. And I think that being that, that some of those things keep getting sidetracked and diffused has been frustrating. And so this morning, I'm a little weepy. Yeah. It's okay. I'm also thinking about moving back to New Orleans. My my amazing cousin um, has contacted me and told me that she has two big rooms. I can have them both, one to work in and one to sleep in. And uh, I'm considering that. I'm considering putting the majority of my stuff in storage and just going home to New Orleans for a while because New Orleans is one of those places that really feeds my soul. It's sort of my New Mexico. You know how you used to have to go into New Mexico and go up into the mountains mm -hmm. uh, when you lived in Texas just to really... Uh, feed your soul. Uh, New Orleans is a, is a place that does that for me. And uh, oddly, I would probably get more help from the municipality of Detroit to restart my business if I didn't live here. Right. Um, they have all sorts of programs and grants to get people to come here. But once you're here, uh, they kind of have a fuck you, get a loan attitude. And I'm like, who takes a loan in the middle of a pandemic? They offered me a nice loan at one time, um, maybe maybe seven months into the pandemic. And I'm like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. This this is not nearly over. Why would I take a loan at a time when I'm not sure that I'd be able to pay it back and actually risk losing everything rather than having to just sit on and uh, incubate everything and, and sort of uh, put it into a medically induced coma. Right. <laughs> my, my, my whole career is actually uh like a COVID patient, it's got a it's got a nebulizer and an ECMO on it right now, keeping it alive enough that um, when it the time is right, it, it can come back and and uh, stand on its own two feet again. And no no insensitivity to people who are dealing with that. I have had COVID five times, so I don't I don't um, say that lightly. But but uh, we have a business here that's been open for thirty years, an amazing place called the Cast Cafe, Megan. Huh. And it's been a, a, um, a center for art and music. Uh, back in the 80s or, or you know, early 90s, I, I found it a bit pretentious in a way. Um, but over the years after I left, it really became a community hub. And uh, they are closing their doors oh. um, on the 17th of this month. Um, I'm going to try to get down for another burger and see the friends. My, my godson actually works there. But um, as sad as it makes me, it also it also gives me pause to understand that a business that had been a booming business, a, a, a money generating business for 30 something years um, in this phase of the pandemic is now going to fold. So maybe, you know, maybe my business still being in its own little hibernation coma is not so unexpected and not such a big failure, uh, as I often experience. And uh, so that's where my mind is this morning. I'm sad. Um, I'm, I'm a bit frightened. And why am I telling this to the world? Because um, 
I want everyone to know that even people who have become captains of their industry face these things. And you will face fear and you will face sadness and you will face disappointment and you will face your best laid plans um, (laughs) just burnt away before your eyes. Mm -hmm. Um, And and know that that's all part of it. That's a part of the commitment you make to yourself as a designer, as a career um, um, person building a career in the fashion and apparel industry is that you're going to have to face these things. I, I just posted on our Facebook, I posted my open letter to young designers. And I think that um, I post that as much for me as for young designers sometimes, because I have to remember that this is a career that ebbs and flows, and it can ebb and flow viciously from season to season, from year to year. So uh, th- those are my thoughts of the morning. So if I'm a little maudlin, I, I uh, apologize, but that is honestly where I'm at. And we set out to be honest. Um, at the same time, God, all these good things are happening, right, Megan? So, right, it's it, true. It's a, like, it's a bit of a mind fuck. Also, they they they've been trying to treat the brain fog, um, and and everyone knows that I should have a stimulant. I think Adderall um, is the most common thing that seems to help people's brains to function normally, uh, and they're trying not to put me on Adderall because. My psychiatrist works out of a city clinic, and of course, Adderall can become addiction forming for people, um, probably not for brain damaged people. I don't think that I would become addicted to it. I think I would become addicted to thinking again. But um, so they've given me a blood pressure medication um, that has a side effect of lining up some neurons, and that definitely had an impact. My short term memory is a bit better. And then they tried me on uh, something called. Uh, Resulty, <laughs> resulty. <laughs> swear to God, um, and and not only is it an antidepressant, it's actually an antipsychotic um, that affects depression. And I took it for a week, and it was really starting to fuck with my head. So I have I have cold turkey that, which maybe I shouldn't have, but um, I won't take anything just because a doctor tells me to. Um, it was messing up my sleep and my dreams. Maybe my memory was getting better, but both of them have the side effect of making a person drowsy. And I already am fighting um, long COVID um, lethargy and, yeah. uh, and exhaustion. So I just took myself off of it. And that may also be why I'm a bit weeby. But um, I, I, I wrote a note to my psychiatrist. I said, so I need you to understand we're not trying to treat my depression. My depression is conditional. My depression is because my career is in uh, stasis, because I am uh, dealing with uh, home instability and uncertainty. It's all tied to actual outside things. What we're trying to treat is my brain damage. Um, And that's an important thing to note for people like us, because sometimes as designers, we think that we're designing for one client when we're actually designing for their mother or for their wife or their husband. So I think it's always important to come back around to what it is that we're actually trying to accomplish in any situation in life, any situation. But for designers, you really always have to be aware of what it is that you're actually doing, because most often clients will present one thing when they really want another or need another. Have you experienced that? People that want one cut that's just not going to ever work for them and you've got to guide them to the cut that they need. Or the woman seems to be buying lingerie for herself, but the husband is really the buyer. 
Um, so you have to sort of try to uh, aim at both of them. I've de well, like I've definitely had um, both scenarios where I have a client come in and they're wanting a super sexy experience with their significant other, but then when they start seeing what I'm creating, they're like, "Oh, I would like something functional and pretty," and the you know, and he's like, "But." But <laughs> so I've had that um, and it's always a weird disconnect. And I usually like bow out of those situations like, hey, I'm going to go grab a tea. I'll be right back. Let me know talk, what you guys decide. <laughs> talk amongst yourselves. Yeah. Um, I'm glad I'm not the only one that experiences that. You know, I teach I teach uh, people who have gone out to um, sell cold call sell. I said, you have to understand which person in the room is the buyer. The buyer is not always the buyer. The owner is not always the buyer. Um, sometimes it's just the really cool person that works there that actually makes all the buying decisions, even though that's not their title. So you've got to keep in mind uh, who actually gets to make choices. And you're absolutely right. Sometimes you just got to sort of go for coffee. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm going to have a coffee and take a phone call and when i get back hopefully you two will have worked this shit out because <laughs> it's, it's none of my fucking business and, and yet it, it quite literally is our business uh, so um i'm trying to make this fashion relevant because i just really want to rant and rave oh my gosh i could totally rant and rave too but like we should do that over on our episode so let's go over there see you in a bit Thank you for listening and being our PFFs. Um, we appreciate you sticking through the weirdness that we all experience as artisans with a discipline in fabric. And you can catch the rest of this conversation coming up as our episode 12. Stay tuned. And thanks for listening. You can always go to advancedfashiondisruption.com and listen to all of our episodes. And there you'll find a link for Angel for Fashion. Please add them to your favorites. And when you can, please purchase from Ukrainian designers. Stay tuned. Our next episode, 12, is up next.